Hey everybody, welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. We are in season three, episode 11. Back to our usual format today. I'm Ben and joined by Paul Hubart. Yeah, Ben, can I just mention real quick that we are recording on what is probably one of my favorite days of the year. Oh, is it? Yeah, a day that I probably celebrate more than Christmas and more than Thanksgiving or any of these cold season holidays. <laughs> Even though it is cold this morning, yes. can I be maybe the first Please. person, am I? Yeah. First person to wish you happy spring? You are. You are. March 20th, we are here, <laughs> although like we need a confetti outside, right we now. should... Yeah. Woo! Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, by being outside this morning, I would not know since it's the coldest morning we've had in since the cold, cold, cold mornings yeah. we had at the beginning of January. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, since we started at 23 degrees this morning here just north of Atlanta. Uh, cold, man, for us anyway. Yeah. But uh, it is the first day of spring. That's great. So first again, day of spring. We're here. Party time. Yes. In my, you know, and as much as I do enjoy some of the cold weather, I guess I don't love this dip back into cold. The lingering after we cold. started to get the warm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Shock to the system. Yeah. 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 True, 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 true. Well, let's get to business here. Okay. Because we got some great stuff to talk about today. It is our missions month at Grace Chapel. We're in yes. this series, I Will Love. And yesterday, actually, uh, at the time when we were recording this, yeah. was our Mission Sunday at Grace That's Chapel. Right. Um, and Mission Sunday, something we've been talking about this month. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, we're largely kind of partnered with three international missions yes. partners. Yeah, currently. And right. doing a collection to help kind of support a lot of the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. So we were able to do that yesterday. So I just want to talk about those uh, just, to, just for a minute. Yeah. Talk about who those organizations are that we're partnering with sure. and really invite y'all too that we'd love for you to give and to uh, consider investing in this as well whether you're a Grace Chapel person and maybe you didn't get a chance mm -hmm. to give yet or if you are not connected with Grace Chapel and we just want to support the work we're doing here right all the collection that we took this past week and then we have an online place to donate as well that's going to these three uh, yeah, that's uh, right. these mission partners mm-hmm so those are uh, Kairos, Ciudad de Angeles, and then 127 Pure. Yes. Paul, you want to tell us a bit about these organizations, and uh, then we can point people on how they could partner with us. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, real quickly about Kairos. Kairos is a, a group that we support in Mexico. Actually, began because of uh, the impetus of several here at uh, Grace Chapel partnering with uh, with a, a missionary down in Mexico, who is, a, who is a church planter now, you know, now 12 churches in the last five years that have been planted in Mexico, awesome. uh, several that are ready to be planted in Cuba and other places in South and uh, Latin America also. And so super excited to get to partner with them in the work that they're doing. Yeah. Then uh, Ciudad de Angeles, Angeles or uh, the you know, city of children or city of angels, a city of children is over in Ensenada, Mexico, uh, but, uh, but very similar. Organization to uh, City of Angels is in Cairo, is in Cozumel in Kairos. I don't know where Kairos is. And we were just talking about that uh, in Cozumel, Mexico, and um, serves as you know what we used to call an orphanage, a children's mm -hmm, home mm -hmm. um, for for children who who need a place to live, and mm -hmm. don't have their parents anymore for whatever reason. Uh, certainly, there's so much brokenness in Mexico with um, the expansion of the cartels and other things like that, and so. So much good work that can be done there, and uh, and you know that uh, Ciudad has become known as as an organization uh, with good reputation um, mm -hmm. in Quintana Roo, which is um, there the the province that they're in in Mexico, and so 
just great, great uh, work that they're doing. And then 127 Pure doing work in, uh, in India as a uh, kind of an NGO to some degree at this point, a, a way to continue to do the good works of Jesus and support others doing that uh, without being overtly uh, mission oriented, but still very much having a, a covert mission mm -hmm, emphasis. Mm -hmm. and, and that's uh, a necessary approach right now because of uh, the stances that the Indian government have, has taken yeah. Yeah. against uh, any sort of Christian organizations, especially from outside, although they're starting to really crack down on Christian organizations inside, mm -hmm, uh, you mm -hmm. know, that, that have kind of, uh, you know, that, that are led by uh, Indian natives as well. So. Um, so yeah, lots of great work happening there. Uh, we really value Missions Month. Glad that we're getting to yes. do this again um, with, you know, depending on the amount of money that, that we raise here in the next couple of weeks and, you know, from, from uh, on our offering on Sunday, which by the way, I can share real quick. Um, we are already north of $110,000 mm. uh, wow. raising that one Sunday to support these mission partners, which <laughs> that is, is, incredible. is awesome, super encouraging. And we set that goal at... A hundred thousand. <clears throat> yeah, so we're already right. already topping that. So already past that. We do that you know, confetti just, popper again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so there it is again, and uh, yeah, I mean, so a lot to celebrate um, on this first day of spring. Mm. Come back to that one more time. Uh, you know, that, just uh, yeah, just the generosity awesome. of the folks here continues to amaze me, and just so grateful for that. We knew that uh, that we actually know that there are the. There's, there are some other possibilities, um, some additional mission partners, depending on how much money we raise, that we can continue to support as well. We have done some, uh, some kind of uh, ad hoc supporting of some, uh, some work that's going on in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. really, really good things happening there and an opportunity potential to partner there further as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's really exciting to, to be able to, uh, I think, to bless. Yeah the yeah, work of, of God at work, you know, that's happening in this world. And, and we hope to see the spreading of the gospel further because mm. of that. And so, so yeah, just uh, good stuff. Yeah. And if y'all are interested in being a part of this and mm -hmm. uh, participating, giving with us, you can just go to our website, gracechapelchurch.com slash give. And then there is an online giving feature there. Just simply select Mission Sunday, give whatever you might be able to. That, yep. That'll be open for the next couple of weeks, yeah. continuing to collect with that. I think that. I so. can tell you exactly. I think it actually closes right at the end of this month. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it closes March 31st. Okay. So yeah. March 31st, we will close that. Uh, so the time this fund. is out, you'll still have about a week yep. to give if you'd like to support this work. Yep, that's right. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Paul, so let's talk about our series, I Will Love. Um, would you just give us the basic idea of this series? Just retell that yeah. briefly for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we started off by asking the question, you know, what are the things that we, we say we love? You know, and, and just kind of making this statement at the beginning of this series that there are things that we love that we probably shouldn't love, mm -hmm. and there are things that we should love that we probably don't love. Yeah. And, and some of those things are, are very much... Uh, ideas rooted, I think, directly in the Christian faith and in the Christian mission and the kind of people that we're supposed to mm -hmm. be, you know. And so uh, we started by talking about, you know, love for the gospel and how often do we really think about loving the gospel? Mm -hmm. I mean, having a deep affection for the story of the gospel, for the truth of the gospel communicates so much so that it's something we want to share with other people because we believe it's the best story, you know, that's ever been told. And, 
not just because it's the best story, but because it's anchored in truth and eternal yep. truth. Yep. Tr- you know, it shapes our reality in a sense. And so <clears throat> the call to love the gospel uh, being kind of the first. And then you spoke the, the following week mm-hmm. about uh, mm-hmm. the call to love the mission, yep. which, you know, the mission of God to be the people of God that bring restoration and reconciliation between God and the brokenness of this world, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we have the mission of reconciliation. I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul says. And so um, we are those kind of people then, called to be the kind of folks that live as God would have us live and that do the things that God himself would do uh, in, in our place. You know, so a great question to ask in that is if, you know, if, if Jesus was living in my place, what would he do? Mm-hmm. You know, as it relates to the good things that we have opportunity to do um, and not just moving forward the mission in the sense of being people who are very evangelistic in nature, although that's true as well, but allowing the, the kind of people that we are to spread God's goodness in this world. Yeah. Um, and, and then out of that, hopefully finding opportunities. And so important in our day and age where people are so skeptical about Christians and Christianity, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the church, even more so as an yeah. institution and an organization, a group of people. Um, and so if we're going to change people's minds, it's going to be by living like Jesus did. And there are going to be people that reject us because they rejected Jesus. Jesus says that plainly. They reject us just like they rejected him. But, um, you know, the reality is that uh, we shouldn't give people who are skeptical about the church or Christianity any more reasons to be skeptical about the church and Christianity than the difficulty of the person of Jesus who was a stumbling block to Jews and, you know, foolishness to Gentiles, and will continue to be so to many in, in this day and age. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's be the kind of people that we're supposed to be. And this week, then the conversation about loving uh, our neighbor, we'll talk about that yes. just a bit more. And then the following week, loving the mission. So, you know, loving the world, loving, loving the world. Yeah, thank you. Loving the world. <laughs> we already talked about loving the mission. So love, love for the world. Yes. And so, you know, these are things that, that I think God loves deeply. We ought to love as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we love the gospel because what the gospel is, it's the power of God for the salvation of every, everyone who believes. We love the mission because it's the way that we live out God's good story in this world. We allow ourselves to be actors in that in a, in a good, mm-hmm. positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love our neighbor because, you know, God told us to love our neighbor. We love this world because we know that God so loved the world that mm-hmm. he gave his only son. And so, you know, loving the things that God loves and loving the things that are truly good in this world those those are the kind of people we ought to be. That should be what characterizes us in in this world at this point in time. Awesome. So let's talk about this this week's focus: uh, loving our neighbors. I will love my yeah. neighbor. Where'd you go with this? Well, um, tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I, so I mean, I begin here and I began on Sunday morning as well with just kind of a personal confession of having been at a meeting a few years ago, probably five six years ago. We have we call the, the lead pastors roundtable here in Forsyth County. Uh, we get together with, you know, those who come and want to be kind of ecumenical, engage in that way, kind of share good ideas, spur each other on, encourage each other on. Uh, we were gathered five or six years ago with a group of maybe a dozen or more of us, um, and one of the guys was sharing something that he found to be really powerful for him uh, at that point in time, which was this book that was written by a couple of guys called The Art of Neighboring, where... Hmm. Um, you know, these two guys, uh, these two authors talk about how we as Christ followers really need to discover 
rediscover the art of neighboring, of being a good neighbor to our neighbors, those people that we come into contact with regularly. And so sitting in that room, he gave out this diagram that is similar to the diagram that's on the cover of this book called The Art of Neighboring, um, that basically has these nine squares uh, and you are in the middle square and then your neighbors would be in the surrounding eight squares. So you at the center, who's on my periphery, who are these people that I come into contact with? And the challenge that was issued to us, because I think this particular pastor knew as he had gone through this himself, the first time he was introduced to this idea and the challenge was issued from the authors of the book to go through and see if you can fill out eight people in your neighborhood that you know well enough that if the call came to pray for them or as the call is issued to pray for them, that you would know what to pray for, you know? Um, or that you would even know their names, period, to begin mm-hmm. with. And so, you know, he was admitting to us as he went through this challenge that he was not able to come through and fill out eight people in his neighborhood that he knew by name, and certainly not then. He didn't, he didn't know beyond that to know who to pray for. And so initially I was thinking, well, I would know eight, eight people in my neighborhood that I could pray for, eight families in my neighborhood. And as I started going through the exercise, I realized, no, I couldn't. You know, I, could, I knew who the people next to us were. I knew the people across from us in our cul-de-sac were. I knew the people who, to the left of us. Um, but I really didn't know many other folks at all. And so, you know, I think I maybe ended up with three or four out of the eight boxes filled. And I'm thinking, you know, not that eight is the ideal number, but what it does is it exposes just that little exercise, um, how we can live in proximity with others and still not know them well enough that we could ever extend love to them. And so, you know, this idea of loving neighbor became very real for me at that point in time, Mm -hmm. although I've still fallen very far short of where I'd like to be, um, you know, certainly. But, you know, even even in my my personal life, that moved me to want to change things differently or do things differently. So as opportunities Mm -hmm. have arisen, I have tried to do things differently, including, as we talked about on this podcast before, the, the website Bless Every Home, which sends prayer reminders for your neighbors with neighbors' names in them. So now I know neighbors' names who I don't yet know their faces in our neighborhood. And, and I feel good about that because there's going to come a day where probably I run across them, whether it be at the pool, uh, you know, in the summertime, or just walking around the neighborhood. And I meet some people who I've been praying for for months, and I finally get to put a face with the name. And I'd rather be at that place than at the other place where I'm looking around saying, I have no idea who I should be praying for, what I should be praying about. So I'm not sure if I could answer yes to the question, do I love my neighbors? You know, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, so th- that's, that's kind of where we have been this weekend is um, this understanding of what it means to love our neighbors. And I just want to share real quick, if I could, um, just maybe a definition of what, uh, and so I shared this one on Sunday morning, what I think if we look at the biblical concept of what a neighbor is, mm-hmm. and then we can break this down into a couple of different categories real okay. quick, and then we can jump into the rest of the conversation. But you know, when we look in the Bible, the Bible talks plenty about this concept of neighbor, loving neighbors. Uh, you know, this, is an, this is an idea that has roots in the Old Testament. It's not mm-hmm. just something that Jesus mm-hmm. talked about. It's not just something the Apostle Paul talked about and others. Um, this is a concept that runs kind of, that spans the entirety of the Bible going back into the Pentateuch, this idea of loving our neighbors. And so, um, you know, if we look kind of at the collective wisdom or understanding about what a neighbor is in the Bible, um, you know, what I shared on Sunday morning is this, and I think this is a good working definition. Um, you know, at least it's my definition. And if, yeah. you, if you don't like it, you know, then write <laughs> us a note, let us know you didn't like my definition of what a neighbor is. But I, I feel like collectively we can see in the Bible that, you know, that a neighbor in the Bible refers to anyone who is near or close to you. So, 
The first half of that is kind of talking about proximity. Um, whether they're family, friends, strangers, or even enemies. So the first part of that is proximity, but the second part actually starts to speak to something else, which is opportunity. Because we could say, well, that person is close to me in proximity, but there are people that come across our path that become near to us in a moment, and out of that moment we have an opportunity. And then it's, you know, then we're not worried at that point in time where are these people my real neighbors? Are they maybe my family? Are they my friends? Are they strangers and I don't know them at all? Or are they possibly even enemies? Because in any one of those categories, we can find at times opportunity to help somebody else. And so, uh, you know, what I said on on Sunday is, is when we think about neighbor in a biblical sense, we ought to think, yes, about proximity. Um, but not just in the sense of our neighborhoods. Proximity, the people we come in contact with. And then the second piece of that, is there an opportunity to do something? So uh, to do something good. So when we think about loving our neighbors, how do we express love? Well, we express love when we come in contact with somebody and as we find out about an opportunity to then turn around and show love in action Mm -hmm. for that particular Mm -hmm. person. And I think scripture makes that pretty plain um, that that neighbor is both dependent upon proximity and opportunity. And we'll flesh that out further mm. as we kind of walk through the rest of the podcast today, I think. That's good. That's good. So I'm, I guess I would just wonder, why why does Jesus emphasize loving our neighbors so much? I mean, and why does the Bible emphasize yeah. loving our neighbors? Like, what is that to the, the yeah. physical proximity? I just think yeah. that's, that's interesting. Why is that such, such a value? Yeah, I think um, you know it's super interesting that you know for for most uh, for most Jews, first century and before, and even today, um, you know, come what is called the Shema, the Hero Israel. It's Deuteronomy six. You know, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. this very deeply biblical idea, which was considered to be by most Jews, the greatest command. And Jesus says, this is the greatest command, you know, if we look at Mark chapter 12. Um, but it's interesting that Jesus throws in kind of this, this freebie and says, and there's one that's, that's a lot like it. You know, this idea of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, and there's this other that is also incredibly important, Jesus says. And I, I think, you know, there's been some, some debate whether Jesus is saying, here, here are, here's the, the most important command. Well, let me actually make it the most important commands, and let me put these two on par. And I'll just mm-hmm. give my personal opinion. I, I don't think Jesus does put those on par, but he does say this other one is so important that if you don't get this right, it's going to call into question your ability to actually love God. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, that's, there's a biblical concept in that. You know, if we, if we can't love God, our neighbor who's right there in front of us, the people who are right there in front of us, how can we love God who we don't see? So if we don't love the people that we can see with our eyes, how can we say we love God who we don't see? Um, you know, I think there's, uh, there's some deep theological truth expressed in that. I would still say the most important command is love God with our heart, soul, heart, soul mind, and strength. But we display what that, our understanding of what that really truly means when we turn around and love our neighbor as ourselves, you know, our neighbor who's been created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. We, under, we show that we understand that when we love, we, we show that we understand that we know what it means to truly love God when we love our neighbors ourselves as well because they're created in the image of God and we love what God loves. So God mm-hmm. loves our neighbors. We love our neighbors. God loves all people. We, 
we work and learn to love all people. It's a work. It's a challenge mm-hmm. for us. But, you know, so I think Jesus actually, um, when, when he talks about love for neighbor, it was so important to him because for him, love for neighbor was actually connected to love for God. You know, it, it is almost as if these things were un- inseparable. Mm-hmm. If you really love God, you will really love your neighbor and those that God loves as well. Um, and so he puts those together. You know, Jesus was only asked in Mark 12, what's the most important command? He wasn't asked to give that second yeah. one. Yeah. Jesus clearly took the initiative to give that second one. So obviously, he deeply values the idea of loving our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Wanted to make sure that the crowd around him understood that. Wanted to make sure that that teacher of the law understood that. Um, and I think, you know, especially for the teachers of the law, um, you know, maybe we can push on something just a little bit gently here that sometimes needs to be pushed on for us as well. You know, or Jesus was pushing against something. You know, a lot of the teachers of the law were, were the kind of people that um, uh, they very highly valued the law of God and the things of God so much so um, that they would take great care with the commands, trying to figure out how many commands are there? What are the things that God commands us to do? And then they would go on witch hunts to try to figure out who's violating these commands any place, anywhere, um, to the point that they would mistreat people at times. You know, and so uh, can, we, can we be the kind of people who value the things of God, the law of God? Like David says, I, I love your law. I love your words. You know, can we be that, those kind of people without being the kind of people that then take those laws and make those things to where we now are, are starting to draw some people outside of the box of people that we should love. Yeah. Yeah. Because these people are just messed up too much. They're too far away from anything that could be good or kind or right or, or just. We're going to put them outside of that box. Then we've done exactly what God asks us not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. So Jesus is saying, can you find a way to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and not become judgmental about the people who don't do that yet? Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, care for them well. You know, so I think the message that Jesus would have had kind of written in between the lines for that teacher of the law is a good message for us as people f- trying to follow the law of God today as well. Um, but we need to remember that, that God's law really does come down to love, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next few minutes as well. You know, it's interesting, too. I think of loving our neighbors is <clears throat> just, I mean, even just thinking of the story you shared in the beginning of, I think, there's something with that physical proximity yeah. to where we can just take our neighbors for granted yes. and not actively love them, yeah. not actively think about how we need to love them. It's interesting, like when you go on a mission trip or you're out on a service project or we go downtown mm-hmm. to Atlanta, we go on a prayer walk yeah. or you show up at church on Sunday, your mindset is on, oh, I need to love these people. Yes. You kind of have that missional focus and you're thinking these are people I need to love at this moment. Yeah. But with your neighbors, like I mean, even just talking about your physical neighbors, the people who live right next to you, we often don't always think that way. You're not yeah, always thinking, right. we just take him for granted. That's Bill, he lives next door, and you don't really think of, I need to actively love that person. So there's almost a level in which I think it needs to be said yes. that we need to love these people because if it's not, we might just take it for granted. We might just think yeah. that eh, they just live next door to me. 
Yeah, yeah, what's what's been interesting to me is there there have been times where where I know that there are non church going people in my neighborhood whose goodwill for other neighbors has probably shamed the extent of my goodwill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be out there leading with those kind of actions that show goodwill and love for for neighbor, um, be, especially if it is a reflection of the depth of my faith and understanding of the love that God has for me. If that's seen in the love that I have for others, and my love falls short of those yeah, who yeah. may or may not have any sort of relationship with God, then that's not a particularly great witness in this world, for sure. And so, you know, I think definitely um, there's a real value and deep importance for Jesus, and then for us as Christ followers, reflected in in the way we love others as to whether or not people will be drawn to God or have questions about, do you, are you really living what you say you believe anyway? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I think, um, I think this is one of those areas where we need to allow ourselves to be challenged sometimes. And I know we're, yeah. we're yeah. busy, everybody's busy, we got lots going on, um, but man, we need to not have so much going on that we bury our heads in the sands, in the sand as it relates to opportunities to express the love that God has shown us to others. Yeah. Um, so uh, very important. Mm. So in the message, you kind of talked about two uh, two applications yeah. in Scripture of ways in which we love yeah. our neighbors. Uh, would you talk about those two passages? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I think the first one, you know, the Apostle Paul talks um, in Romans 13, uh, he, he talks about an outstanding debt, a debt that is, mm-hmm. remains outstanding. I mean, he, talk, he says, he says no, let no debt, this is uh, Romans 13, 8, uh, says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And, and so, you know, he basically says, look, if you owe somebody a financial obligation, pay that back. But let me tell you about a debt that can never be paid back. And it's not, it's obviously not a debt that we have kind of in, in a horizontal fashion, like I borrow money from you, I owe that money to you, so I'm gonna pay you back. Um, we don't have that kind of debt when it comes to love. The, the debt that we owe is a debt to God. And God says, here's how I want you to repay something that you can actually never repay it's by passing on the love that I've given you to others. So you owe this debt to me that can never be paid. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's an old song that says that, you know, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt I could not pay. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, this, this idea that Jesus paid our debt. And, and what does God say when he says, hey, I want you to go and do something about this. You're never gonna be able to repay this debt to me, but what I want you to do is dedicate yourself just as I dedicated myself in Jesus to live and give my life for you, I, I want you to now turn around in love and live and give your lives for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a First John three sixteen. I think that says this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down mm-hmm. His life for us, and we ought to then turn around in response to that, lay down our lives for others. And so. The Apostle Paul says we have an outstanding debt that can never be repaid. In fact, he says it's a continuing, ongoing debt to love one another. And he says if we do that, if we love others, we fulfill the law. And so he actually goes on to talk about the commandments, right? So, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is back to Jesus being asked about these commandments. What's the most important commandment? Um, And so the Apostle Paul comes back to things that are the commandments. And he's 
talking about these very horizontal commandments at this point in time. We know uh, there are the, the very vertical commandments. You know, that's don't take the name of your Lord God in vain, right? You know, um, that, is, that is an example of a very vertical commandment. Or you shall have no other gods before mm-hmm. me. I am the only God. Very vertical commandment there. But there were these horizontal commandments as well that were um, given from God about how people should treat each other. So Paul just yep. rattles off a few of these. He says, you, you, you know these commandments like, don't commit adultery, you shall not commit adultery. Or the next one, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be, and he's talking again, again about these very horizontal commandments, the way that people were, were supposed to treat each other. So don't, uh, you know, don't commit adultery. Don't, you know, in, in a sense, don't go looking at your neighbor's wife and thinking, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have her. Or mm-hmm. don't go looking at your neighbor's husband and think, I'd like to have him. Mm-hmm. Or don't be so angry with somebody that you're going to take somebody's life. You shall not murder. Don't steal. Don't take what's not yours. Don't even covet the things that are not yours and think, I'd rather have that than the things I have, whether that be somebody else's spouse or whether that be a thing or whatever it is. Paul says any of those commands can be summed up in one command. And he goes back to these words, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And then he says this really, I think, very, very deep statement, but kind of a statement that also um, should almost follow logically, too. He says, love does, does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Basically, what Paul is saying is if we could really understand what love for neighbor was, if we could have understood that, we would have only needed that one command, and we wouldn't have needed the other horizontal commands. And, and there's obviously these out of the Ten Commandments, and there's many other commands that talk about how we ought to treat each other and you know um, what that ought to look like. Paul says we wouldn't need any of those commands if we really understood what it meant to love a neighbor, because love does no harm to a neighbor. And what he's really talking is talking about is these negative commands: "Thou shalt not," right? Mm-hmm. You will not murder. You will not commit adultery. You will not covet. You will not steal. So these negative commands about the things we should not do to each other, those are the things that Paul is addressing. And he says, love does no harm to a neighbor. So if you really love your neighbor, you won't fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. You won't do this thing. You won't steal from your neighbor. You won't covet the things. You won't murder. You won't uh, commit adult, you won't do these things if you really truly love your neighbor. If you really understand what that means, you won't do those kind of things. And so I think the, the first thing that we can conclude um, about what it looks like to love a neighbor is kind of maybe found in a negative statement. Is that love does no harm to a neighbor. You won't mm-hmm. harm your neighbor. But we also have to say that that's sort of incomplete, right? Because if I just walked around and said, well, I won't harm my neighbor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how, what are we going to conclude? Well, we're going to conclude that I'm the kind of person who doesn't harm other people. And that, that's kind of good in one sense. I mean, well, no, it is really good, actually. It's really good to not do harm to other people. Yeah. But that could still put you at a place it's of incredible apathy yeah. toward others, right? So it yeah. doesn't mean you're going to see a need. You're going to turn around and meet it. It just means mm-hmm. that you're not going to take advantage of people. And that is incredibly important, but it's also incomplete when it comes to a full, I think, holistic, mm-hmm, deep understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to really, truly love a neighbor, which is why I think Jesus told this story in Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, about this good Samaritan. You know, and it, everybody knows 
at least some idea of what the parable of the Good Samaritan is about. I mm-hmm. think you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting to me. I mean, I've talked with um, I've talked with with Muslims who've referenced the story of the Good Samaritan before, who mm-hmm. know about this story, and you know, I've talked with people who don't have any sort of faith who uh, will talk about you know that person was a good Samaritan when they did this particular good deed, and so. We, we're familiar. We're familiar with this idea of what it means, at least to some degree, of being a good Samaritan. But I'm afraid our familiarity with the story may actually allow us to miss some of what's so important in this story yeah. at times. And so, just a, a real quick recap of the story. You know, um, Jesus was asked a question. You know, who is my neighbor? On the heels of uh, the expression of the need to love a neighbor. You know, that's, well, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. So Jesus tells this story, um, which would have been pretty rough for Jewish ears, especially in the first century, to hear, because uh, you know we've already kind of given some of it away by saying the story, of the parable of the good Samaritan. Um, you know, Samaritans were typically not thought of as good by Jews. That's mm-hmm. for sure. In fact, you know, we see I think it's in John four uh, the story of uh, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, Luke or John puts in this kind of side note that says that Jews and Samaritans don't—they don't talk with each other. They yeah. don't engage. Yeah. Like they don't—they don't rub shoulders with each other. That's mm-hmm. not how things went in the first century. Uh, Jews kept as much distance, typically, as they could from Samaritans, who they considered ethnically impure, uh, people who had some Jewish heritage, but also intermarried with with pagans and Gentiles. Um, in the centuries uh, leading up to the first century. And so there was a real barrier between Jews and Samaritans, mm-hmm. a lot of animosity and prejudice both ways. And so Jesus tells this story about you know, this man who went from um, Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a really windy road, a lot of blind curves, lots of places for bandits to hide. And so you didn't travel that road by yourself. You typically went in armed caravans. And so even as Jesus starts to tell this story, people are going to be wondering, what, what is this? What is this idiot doing going from (laughs) Jerusalem to Jericho by himself? You're asking for trouble. And, um, you know, of course, he's set upon by a group of bandits. They rob him, beat him, take everything from him, leave him for dead on the side of the road. Mm -hmm. And so then Jesus starts to tell the story about it, or takes the story further and tells about, you know, these, these two religious figures in Jewish society come by, you know, the the proverbial priest comes by and he sees on the side of the road this man laying on the side of the road who's a fellow Jew, presumably. And instead of going to help his fellow countrymen, he passes by him, probably on the far side, you know. Um, he didn't harm him further, right? And here's where we can see the idea of do no yeah. harm. Yeah. Don't harm is not complete. He didn't harm him further and maybe he could have thought, Love does no harm to a neighbor, so I'm not going to, I hope, I hope, I wish this man well, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to walk by him on the far side because I don't want to become unclean. This man is bloody beaten. I'll have to go through rites of ritualistic uh, you know, cleansing if I touch him, so I'm just going to keep on going. I've got things I need to be about. I'm on God's business, maybe even, and here comes a Levite, who's another uh, figure in um, you know, Jewish religious culture does the same thing, same action as the priest, you know, whatever his motives happen to be, you know, it's a story, it's a parable. So, um, you know, not necessarily real people. That They may have been real people. Jesus may have known about things like this happening at some point in time. You know, then comes along the third person in the story who, 
you know, as a, as a Jewish person, when Jesus says, here came the Samaritan, you would have been expecting, here comes the villain of the story, not the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. And this Samaritan sees this man who should have been his enemy, who should have been the kind of person he wouldn't have associated himself with whatsoever, and the one you would expect to leave this presumably Jewish man who had been mm-hmm. robbed and beaten, leaving on the side of the road. And he helps him. He takes care of him. And so remember the question that Jesus was asked on the front end of the story. It was, who is my neighbor? And Jesus flips the question on its head at the end of this parable and says, who was a neighbor to this man? Right? So, so the, the question by which, you know, I think um, this Jewish religious leader sought to justify himself was, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the, the artful mastery of Jesus to kind of flip that on its head and say, I don't want you to ask the question, who is my neighbor? I want you to ask the question, how can I be a neighbor mm-hmm. to someone? And there's a reason for that, because again, it's not enough to say love does no harm to a neighbor. We have to take that a giant leap forward yeah. and go to the place where we say that love actually seeks good on behalf of a neighbor, and that's the way that we are called to live as followers mm-hmm. of Jesus, to yes, do no harm. Because we find ourselves in situations where, you know, James talks about, you know, <laughs> kind of the evil desires we have inside of us that mm-hmm. when they are fully, uh, you know, when we give birth to them and then when they're fully grown, they give, they give birth to death in a sense, they lead to death. Um, you know, our evil desires sometimes manifest themselves in the way we treat other people. Yeah. So first, yeah, stop doing harm. That's the entry level to loving neighbors. Stop doing harm to your neighbor. The, the real mature view of this is to take Jesus very seriously when he says, stop asking the question, who's my neighbor? And start asking, how can I be a neighbor to those around me? Mm. Because again, that's a right, neighbor yeah. is someone who we have the chance to help because they're in proximity and there's an opportunity to connect with it, connected with it. Whether they are your friends, your family, your stranger, strangers, mm-hmm, or enemies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever category they yeah. fall into, these people are your neighbors. And if you live and love like Jesus did, proximity and opportunity will move you to action. I really like that, the proximity and opportunity, because I think the opportunity that captures these moments, right, the the... The Good Samaritan, yeah. he was not a neighbor by proximity, yes. but he yes. had the opportunity. That's right. There, that's um, right. So it's, that's good. yeah. And, and you know, real quick, I mean, just a just a fast personal example, you know. And it's it's so interesting how God does these things. Um, yesterday morning, uh, coming to the building, mm-hmm. and man, it was cold. Wind was blowing, and and. You know, with my party time over spring, how I feel about cold weather. Uh, I just, I don't love cold weather. And I, when it's cold and the wind's blowing, that's, that's you know, that's, that's way down on my list of uh, favorite things. And so um, pulling into the parking lot and I'm right on time, just right on time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not early, I'm not late, I'm right on time. Um, pull in the parking lot and there's a young lady, probably late teens, maybe early 20s at most, um, who had pulled over right in the front area of our parking lot and she just um, had run, over, run into a pothole and she had a front, flat front tire. Mm-hmm. So come into the parking lot and uh, immediately several reasons went through my mind why one, I should help her and that was followed by immediately several reasons why I didn't really want to help because it was cold. 
<laughs> and I was right on time. I didn't have a whole lot of time to spare. And then comes this, you know, whether it's me or the Holy Spirit, whatever. I mean, I had just obviously I had gotten up pretty early to study my message. And I thought to myself, how in the world could I ever get up and talk about the parable of the Good Samaritan <laughs> and not drop whatever I felt yeah. like I needed to yeah. be doing and my, my frustration with cold mm-hmm. weather and anything mm-hmm. else and go over there and help because proximity and opportunity were both in play. And Nick, our new... Uh, our new operations minister pulled in right behind me and, um, you know, walked away from that time thinking, you know, God, one, thank you for pushing on us through the working of the Holy Spirit so that we don't pass up opportunities when they're there right in front of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and two, God, give us more opportunities where the priest and the Levite would want to walk by on the other side or would feel like I've got reasons to walk by on the other side and where where instead we're drawn to the situation instead of drawn away from it. And that's not, there's no, I hope, I hope you don't hear that as a, a patting on the back. It's, it's more a confession of um, I struggle in this and but for the grace of God, probably drive by opportunities way too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man want to be different in that. And so, you know, thank God for his continued prompting and pushing through the Holy Spirit and for providential moments where, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, that this message was what was going to be yeah. preached. Oh, yeah. And the opportunity was there to say, um, living it matters so much more than just talking it. Mm. So live it, talk it, yes do it love put love on display for neighbors and so you know thankful thankful for that opportunity i don't know what kind of difference it made other than we helped change a tire Mm -hmm. and somebody didn't know how to change a tire in the middle of the cold the cold made it actually more compelling why we should go do that and nick Mm -hmm. was a real gentleman and took off his jacket and you know i mean it, it just was a good moment where whatever comes out of that one i've got to trust the holy spirit was the one prompting to go say yes mm-hmm. to being a good neighbor, a good Samaritan in that sense. Um, two, if the Holy Spirit prompted that moment, is it possible that the Holy, Holy Spirit will prompt a moment with this young lady as yeah. well? And so do the good thing that makes us a good neighbor, that love, that shows love like a good neighbor, and then allow God to do his thing mm-hmm. uh, after mm-hmm. that and trust that, that that's good. And so um, we don't just drive by on the other side of the road and wish somebody well and um, do no harm. We stop because love again seeks the good of a neighbor when there's love proximity it. and opportunity. Man, that's awesome. Paul, I think we've already hit on some of it, but is there anything else you'd add onto how can we practice this to be faithful? Yeah, I think I think we can uh, give some takeaways with this. I mean, um, you know, real quickly, I, the kind of the summary statement for the message. Like to like to try to do that from time to time. Um, yeah, the summary statement for the message was this, that loving your neighbor is not just about being kind and polite, certainly not just about doing no harm, but it's about taking that way beyond that to work for the genuine good of your neighbor. And so how mm-hmm. can we work for the genuine good of our neighbor? And this is what I want to say about this. It requires intentionality. If you think that this kind of thing is just going to happen on accident, um, man, that's, that's a miss. It requires intentionality. It requires that we seek out these opportunities. Mm-hmm. So... Find ways to know your neighbors in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 
you can find the the graph if you or the little the little diagram the little uh, drawing that has you kind of at the center in your neighborhood and has room for eight neighbors uh, around you right neighbors houses homes around you and you could start there and say okay i'm going to make sure that i can fill this in what was uh, the name of the app um, that you mentioned so the art of neighboring is the book okay and i'm sure you can you know you can google it and i'm sure you can find that that little that little diagram that little drawing to where you know, they have it available so you can download it print it no i'm sorry oh, the, the, the app, app that you yes. use yeah yeah bless for every home it's, bless it's actually every a, a okay. website so if you go to blesseveryhome.com i think they'll send you emails every morning mm -hmm. they typically come in two or three in the morning this morning they were a little bit behind and it came in at like 6 30 ish um but uh you know, I, I get them every morning. It gives me scripture every morning that I'm going to pray scripture. I pray that over and for myself, but then I pray that over those neighbors' names. Mm -hmm, and I've, I can, mm -hmm. I've got in my mind right now, because I've done it so frequently, I've got names of people who I can think of their names right now, and I've never met them. I haven't met them yet to this point in time, but I'm going to keep praying. Um, and so, you know, that's it's a great way to take a first step forward and intentionality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is start to know people's names that way. Yeah. Um, then take that a step further too, because it, if we're talking about intentionality, um, what would it look like to be intentional about learning the needs and struggles of those around you? Whether it be your coworkers, your neighbors, maybe friends, maybe you know if your kids like my kids right now are playing baseball, the other parents you know who are connected with the team, the kids on the team as well. What would it look like to be intentional? And that's the challenge for the week. How do we put this into practice? Be intentional. Don't just think it's going to happen. Yes, proximity and opportunity sometimes come across our path and God sets that up or it just happens by coincidence. However you want to look at that, fine. But instead of just waiting for things to come across our path, why don't you seek them out, right? So seek those things out. Um, if you learn about those needs, then be intentional about helping to meet the needs. Mm -hmm. and struggles of your neighbors as you become aware of them. And then the last thing, you know, because I, and this is something that we need to always continue focusing on, the story of the Good Samaritan parable, the Good Samaritan really brings this out, is that, and, and very important in our day and age too, because society and culture is talking a lot about this. We, through the power of God, can do this the right way, is to be intentional about reaching out to those who are different from you, yeah. whether it's race, religion, social status, whatever it happens to be. Find those people who are not like you because we know we're drawn to the people who are a lot like us, right? And so it's, it's not that difficult to engage with the people that are just like us and find out what their needs and struggles are because the conversation happens naturally. But what about when there is some sort of barrier? Can we be the kind of people who build bridges over the barriers um, and, mm -hmm. and get to know people who are not quite like us? And mm -hmm. so... Um, That's good. You know, be intentional. That's, I think those are the, the two words that I really want to emphasize today in our, in the answer of how can we practice this. It's with and through intentionality. Awesome. Awesome. We'll put a link in the show notes to yeah. uh, that book and then to Absolutely. the app as well, or the website yeah, yeah, as well, yeah, we website if you want to right. invest in those. We'll do it. Thank you so much, Paul. Appreciate yeah, you sharing this. Appreciate that story you shared and uh, very, very compelling. Mm. Um, and we thank you all for joining us. As always, uh, next week we will conclude this series with uh, loving the world. That's right. Yep. The call to love the world. So yes. please tune back into that. Leave us comments, questions if you have any. And until then, God bless you. We'll see you next week.